The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Gilderland Public Library, its staff, or board of directors. Welcome to the February episode of How Did You Find It? A couple of events, a quick reminder, and then we'll get on with the show. First reminder, we will be closed on Monday, February 20th for President's Day. We will reopen on Tuesday. On Tuesday, the 21st at 10 a.m., we have a drop-in knit and stitch. So if you are into handicrafts, you should come drop in. On February 22nd at 6.30, we have a paint and sip program. And on Thursday, February 23rd at 6.30, we have cruise ship Tringo. Tringo is trivia bingo. You can win by getting bingo. You can win by getting all of the trivia questions, right? Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to How Did You Find It? We're here with Christina. Hey. And what are we talking about today, Christina? Today we're going to talk about a board game that we actually played, Betrayal at House on the Hill. third edition yes so last month we talked about some of our favorite games and then uh then we christina and i went and played the third edition of betrayal and uh we're going to talk about it today that's right we had a lot of fun yeah we did it's a good game one of our newest games that is actually not one of our newest games it's one of our sort of pseudo original games to the collection but an updated edition This game is Betrayal at House on the Hill, the third edition, and we, uh, I don't remember if the the second edition Betrayal was one of our original games. When I started curating the collection, I kind of got stuff I was familiar with to start us off because uh, I could then explain it to people and pitch it to people, and so I had played Betrayal second edition, and I actually own Betrayal second edition. Do you own a copy of it? I don't remember if we own it. We might. I know the first time I played it, it was not ours, but I feel like someone gifted it to us after that. It's kind of, this game is like, you know, kind of infuriating, a lot of fun. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And when I saw that the third edition was out and it got good reviews, I upgraded the library's beat up copy of the second edition to the nice, beautiful third edition. And Kathleen and I were like, yeah, we want to feature the board games on the podcast and we want to see how the third edition is different from the second and talk to the folks at home about this game, which is like, it's got some elements um, from several of the games we've already mentioned. There's some cooperation, there's some secret betraying, there's um, a a board that's unique. Mm -hmm. So it kind of brings a lot of stuff together that we've already talked about. It is true. We have laid the groundwork to explain how betrayal works <laughs> as best as we can. <laughs> yeah. So betrayal, the the basic premise of betrayal on the at the house on the hill is that a bunch of explorers are in this house and then something happens and one of them turns against the rest. That is the part that is the same from previous editions to this one. And the the gameplay is very similar in that you are um, you pick a character to play as, and the characters are on these cardboard tiles. And it's cool because it'll give them like a name and a little bit of a backstory. Like if you, what's nifty about this game is that if you are into 
role-playing games like D&D. I'm not going to say it's it's like D&D, but like, or you're thinking about getting into board games where you can um, develop a character a bit more. Like, it doesn't allow a lot of flexibility, but it does let you do some storytelling, which is nifty. Um, and it's about the perfect amount of storytelling that I'm comfortable with. Like, I am not comfortable <laughs> in a D&D place, but this I like a lot. So the characters, on one side, it'll be like, there's this chick, and she's like a high schooler, and she's sporty. But if you flip it over, it's like the same character, but maybe she's like nerdy. And yeah. her backstory changes kind of what she's good at and what you can do in the game. Like, if she's sporty, you might be able to move more spaces than if you play as the nerdy version who is, you know, smarter and may, might be able to discover more items or, yeah. or something. And it's funny because both sides of the tile have, like, the same face on them, but, like, they have different hairstyles and maybe one wears glasses and they're mm-hmm. different people. It's cute. It's funny. Yeah, and the gameplay works like you... You're exploring this house, and as you go, you build rooms on, you know, to discover the ground floor, and to discover the upstairs, and to discover the basement, and the rooms in the basement. The first tile you put down is the door to the house and the front hallway. So that's kind of the only tile you start with. You put that down on your table. You need a lot of room to play this one Mm because the board gets bigger as you go. And yeah. it's a little um, erratic. So it's called the ground floor landing and the ground floor the ground floor stair case is the first piece that you put down. And then on that are these um, little graphics of doorways. <laughs> and you move through an empty doorway and then you pull a square from a random pile that adds rooms to the house. And so you're sort of exploring the mansion as you move around the board. One thing that's new in this third edition is that they... Before you start, you actually decide why you got why your group is going to the house. In the past, it was just, nope, this weird group of people is wandering around a house. And now you can be like, oh, we got this weird invitation or we're looking for an artifact or uh, we're a bunch of kids and we're just going to, you know, cause trouble. Uh, that was probably remember. my favorite thing they added to this edition was mm-hmm. a sort of wire there. And I think it brought the story elements together. I'm trying to find the pack of cards that are the different scenarios. Yeah. Cause it was funny because you would have like a 40 year old woman, a 20 year old kid and a nine year old are wandering around this house and there was no reason why. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. what? why, who are these people? None of them are related. Why are they together? <laughs> and what are they doing in this haunted house? It felt a little weird because the rest of the game was kind of narrative. Like, even the rooms you pull, I'll, I'll read some of them in a bit, mm-hmm. or some of the cards that you pull are um, very storytelly. Yeah. So to have nothing in the beginning felt like, all right. <laughs> I mean, it didn't hurt the game. It was right. like, you're here. You, at the, yeah. Like, my favorite part of this game is exploring the house and revealing the weird rooms and pulling up weird, uh, creepy cards. But this brings it full circle of, like, playing different scenarios why you've come to the house. Mm -hmm. So we played a mysterious invitation. It says, each of you received a mysterious letter inviting you to this house. You're beginning to regret the choice you made in accepting that invitation. So that's what we played. And then Mm -hmm. based on the scenario you pick in the beginning, it tells you what plot twist scenario you're going to play later in the game. Mm-hmm. so yeah. our um in the previous game it was like just <laughs> random creepy stuff it was like okay basically like 
you're going through the house, you're exploring rooms, you're picking up things called omens. And every time a player picks up an omen, you roll the dice. If you roll a certain number, the game changes where somebody becomes the betrayer, right? That's where it changes from cooperative to somebody's like betraying the group. And it used to be this random stuff before. It would be like, okay, if you picked up the evil ring, turn to page whatever in the game instructions, and it was just some random scenario. Now the bad things that happen are based on like the why you came to the house. So this mysterious invitation where we've each received a mysterious letter inviting us to this house, um, we pulled a, a ring and it turned out that there was like a weird party and the, you know, the other party guests were acting very unnatural and we had to figure out what was going on. So I like that it's related now, like it yeah. comes full circle. And in the previous editions, it was always, there's a betrayer, right? Mm-hmm. In this new edition, there... There could be just one person who turns against the group, or it could be a free-for-all, so everyone's against everyone else. Yeah, or... that's pretty cool, too. Like, I'm looking at mysterious invitation scenarios, and so if you pull the idol, it says free-for-all. So I think that's mm -hmm. like everybody against everybody else. <laughs> and then there's there's no betrayer, which I no think traitor. must mean like the house is just attacking us, and we all have to work together to escape. Yeah. So that kind of adds different layers of complexity to it, where mm -hmm. the the previous game always had one of your group betraying yeah. the rest. This uh, could go a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Which I like to, I mean, in, in previous editions, you knew if you were playing, you might end up being the, the baddie or having to fight one of your friends. But I like this idea that maybe that won't happen. We don't even know whether that's going to happen, right? I think it adds um, replayability, too. Like, yeah. So what triggered our haunt, you call it like <laughs> triggering the haunt, is when the game changes from cooperative to like potential betrayal. Um, we pulled this object called, or this omen called the ring. And if we played a different scenario, like there's a scenario to start the game where um, the house is for sale. Like, so the one we did is you're invited to a party. There's one where like the house is for sale and you, it, the price is too good to be true. So you've come to the open house. Right. If you pull the ring under that scenario, the game changes. So like, even if you've done the situation where you've done the ring before, if you play a different starting scenario, it's a whole different thing. So I like yeah. that there's replayability. Mm -hmm. And the other previous editions, it was sort of randomized how you determined it. And so I think this way you can be more sure that you're not going to end up playing the same scenario. Mm -hmm. Whereas that one, it was like, it's possible you could end up with another set of circumstances that end up leading to the same betrayal as the previous one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this one rounds that out a little better, I think. Mm -hmm. um, another cool component to this game is that there are three booklets included. <laughs> One is the basic rules. So, you know, this is how you play. You take right. a turn, you move through the house. Then the other two booklets are called The Secrets of Survival, and they kind of, it kind of looks like a composition notebook. Mm -hmm. And the third booklet is called The Traitor's Tome, and it's very, <laughs> it's like red and very mm. ominous. Yep. It says, do not read until the haunt scenario begins. Yeah, and the survival manual says that too. Do not read. Do not read. So 
Um, so what's cool is like you're playing your game. The haunt <laughs> is triggered. It tells you who the haunt trader is. So we played with our coworker Mora, mm-hmm. and Mora was the. Uh, it said that she, the person who pulled the ring, which was her, was the haunt trader. And we sent her out of the room because she had to go read the trader tome. And then Kathleen and I had to read the survival guide. And it gives each of us different instructions on how to win. Mm-hmm. And then you, you have to, you know, you can't share that information with your trader. <laughs> yeah, it says like, <sighs> like, what does ours say? It was called the Sinister Soiree. <laughs> and it says, read first. So you know, to set the stage. We're all in the house. We're going through the house, exploring rooms. Um, Maura pulls the ring, starts the haunt. She has to go out of the room and read her own thing. So Kathleen and I read this. Uh, this is where it's like narrative. It says, ding dong, the doorbell rings and people pile into the entrance hall. Someone planned a party at this creepy old house, but who? It seems strange to you that the guests are bringing gelatin molds and potato salad and that they are dressed like characters from a 1950s sitcom. By the time you've worked up the nerve to ask them some questions, you realize they're all staring at you, their faces fixed with impossibly wide smiles. Something is very wrong here. And then it's <laughs> Kathleen's doing that to me right now. <laughs> and then it tells you your objective. So our objective was that we win when we kill all the neighbors. Stop it. I don't like it, Kathleen. <laughs> Trying to stop. <laughs> And then it's got like, we did not win, but it's got an, we didn't read the, uh, if you win or if you lose. Oh, because we had to stop playing. Yeah, we had, we ran out of time. So so much time to play. Mora won. It was like, she was moving her character around and she also got to control, um, the, uh, the weird neighbors, the party guests. And (laughs) let's see what happens since she won. Let's see what the end of that story is actually should i read her introduction as well i think i should yeah in mora's book she opened up the trader tome and her scenario said this every year your neighbors bake the ring of feasts into a cake whoever gets a slice with the ring is responsible for hosting next year's feast this year it's your turn and the time is growing short the guests have started to arrive, and everything is finally in place. There's a roast in the oven, the garden looks beautiful, and the ambrosia salad has set. <laughs> the only thing left to do is decorate the entrance of the house, if only the decorations would stop moving themselves around. So that refers to, I think, me and Kathleen trying to run away, or like maybe the other guests, like the creepy smiling mm. guests, like moving around. So Mora won and her victory scenario said what a mess those decorations were almost more trouble than they were worth but now that they've stopped moving the party can begin in earnest (laughs) as you pose the last of the bodies in an immaculate wave visible from the front porch windows you think to yourself i've got to get the cake in the oven now where's that ring (laughs) like an ominous ending of like (sighs) the neighbors overtook us and we lost sad if we won it would have said, you look at your friend, shocked by the sideways turn that their party has taken. Dazed, you walk out of the front door and give a vague wave to the neighbors heading your way. They return your greeting with chilling enthusiasm, making the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. As you stagger away, you think that maybe you're not cut out for the suburban life. <laughs> <laughs> so if we won, I think it means we like escaped the party and left the creepy neighbors to have their party without us. But that's a fun game. It is. 
some of the rooms that I've got here are like, <laughs> I don't know how to describe what I really like about this game. Is it like it's campy creepiness? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the rooms feel like they're out of like the movie clue and sometimes they're like, there's a dining room. All right. Yeah. Here's the dining okay, room. Dining room. Yep. It's got a table, chairs. But then there's also the collapsed room where there's just a big hole in the floor. <laughs> yep. And it's also fun, too, because you're building the house randomly. So you'll be like, I went through the creepy hallway to the dining room. Yeah. <laughs> or, and then after, off the dining room is the gymnasium. And yep, there's like a, a gymnasium. Room. And it's, uh, it's just a, a silly combination of, like, spooky, haunty, and totally Clue. commonplace. Yeah. There's a chapel. So I've got the chapel here. <laughs> Another weirdo room is the charred room where it just looks like it was burned. And why wasn't the rest of the house burned? I don't know. Creepy, weird. There's um, the cramped passageway, the laundry chute, the graveyard, the operating theater. And it's like a picture of an operating table. Everyone's favorite room, the soundproof room, <laughs> the catacombs. And then there's, yeah, like the dining room, the gym. Uh, the library. So it's, I, I just pull these things and you just kind of chuckle to yourself like, oh, the bloody room. Okay. <laughs> of course that's off the dining room. Of course. <laughs> and then the, the cards and the items are very funny too. So some of the rooms you enter and you pull an event. Let me try to find a good one. You, oh, you like, you go into a room, it tells you to pull an event. Like you go in the library, it says pull an event. This one's called phone call. An antique telephone rings in the room. You answer, and a sweet elderly woman's voice speaks from the other end. Then you roll some dice, and based on what you roll, it tells you what the lady says, and then like <laughs> either good things or bad things happen to you. So the worst possible roll is the lady says, bad little children must be punished, <gasps> and then you take two physical damage. <laughs> Um, if you roll a one or a two, it says, I'm here, sweetums, give us a kiss. And you take one <laughs> mental damage. <laughs> <sighs> so it's just these very funny things. Mm -hmm. Then there's like, this one's called Eerie Mirror. So you enter like the library, it says pull an event. There's a mirror on the wall. Someone is behind you reaching for you. <clears throat> if the haunt has not started, you may take a haunt roll. And then there's items you can pick up. There's skeleton, skeleton key says made with real bone. There's a necklace of teeth. Most of them aren't even human. Um, headphones. They aren't connected to anything, but they still play a tune. It's soothing. <laughs> Creepy doll. Its eyes are oddly soft and judgmental. So I just, I really like, like my favorite part is like finding the weird rooms Playing the weird event and item cards and like reading them in a creepy voice where you're just like, ooh, I found a weird doll. Okay. And that's kind of where like, I don't know, the scenario that you're playing can make it funnier, right? Like I just, I came, I was invited to this party and now I have this weird doll. Why am I carrying this doll around? <laughs> I liked, I liked playing with Mora. We were very like cheeky about it. Yeah. Like. You know, she was the bad person, you know, running the party or whatever. And, like, I had to attack her. And I was like, I'm sorry, Maura, I have to attack you with my machete. And she was like, I'm just throwing a party. I don't understand why you want to do that to me. 
what's uh so those are my likes what i don't like about this game and it's um true of the previous edition i would say this edition is better i i think it adds some nice stuff makes things a little clearer adds some nice story narrative stuff what i don't like about this game in general is sometimes it doesn't provide enough details about how to play mm-hmm. when the when the haunt phase begins that second part of the game and you're left being like wait how do i eliminate the monsters or yeah you know right right so it like it it said at one point oh you can attack everybody if you have this thing but it wait so can i attack without the thing yeah right and you have to kind of read between the lines a little bit to be like right that right right that's like you're not supposed to share the information between the hero mm-hmm. manual and the trader manual, but we were completely unclear on how and when we could attack the party guests to try to win. <laughs> so we had to. We're like, okay, Mora, we'll tell you what ours says if you tell us what yours says. Because <laughs> like the way we, our instructions were, it was like you can attack. The, I, we had to get the ring from Mora, and then you could attack the party guests with the ring. It didn't say you could attack them in any other way. But you could, because they all had statistics, like they had stats, like health yeah. and whatever. So we had to know that from her to learn that we could attack them regularly, too, without the ring. So it was very, like, some of the yeah. steps are, like, missing. Yeah, it would be and, nice if yeah. they added just a little more detail. That They might be like, well, yeah, of course, you can always attack, but except that it, you can't attack except during the haunt. So then it's like... Mm-hmm. supposed to know that just because the haunt has happened i can just attack anyone mm-hmm. anytime yeah so it's uh sometimes it's lacking a little bit of instruction that yeah. i would like some clarification if you're all agreed though you can just be like this is how we're gonna do it yeah and the other thing that i i wish was better is i feel every time i play that my favorite part which is exploring the house mm-hmm. is too short <laughs> so you and I made yeah. us keep playing longer. I feel like you pull a couple of rooms, and if you land on something called an omen, you pull that card. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you pull one omen, you roll one dice. If you pull two omens, you roll two dice. And basically, you're trying to roll five on the dice to start the haunt phase. So when, you, when you're pulling your fourth or fifth or sixth omen, you're basically like ready to, to change the game and start that mm-hmm. haunt phase. And sometimes the house will still be kind of small. And in our case, we hadn't even found the basement level yet. Like, you have to yeah. discover the basement. You can go upstairs and start building the the up the second floor of the house, but you need to find the basement, which is also fun. It'll be like, <laughs> it'll be like chasm room. And then it's like, <laughs> roll. And if you roll successfully, you cross the chasm. And if you don't, you fall through to the basement. So. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the chasm room. <laughs> we hadn't even found the basement. and we weren't ready to start the haunt. So sometimes I like to be like, let's ignore that we started the haunt and just go like until the next one starts. Yeah. Well, in some, some haunts you're incentivized to keep exploring and adding more to the house. And some, some haunts you're not at all. Um, Yeah. This one was sort of neutral. It wasn't a big deal. Really. We ended up not turning over more house tiles because it was like, we had to fight more, uh, get the ring from her, defeat the neighbors yeah. that started appearing on the board. And so there wasn't a lot of running. It was a lot of staying where you are and like attacking. Yeah. Yeah. 
but different scenarios might be like you need to flee or you need to right. get to the front door yeah or you need to get to the library to get the book or something like that and so mm -hmm. um, like Mora had to add the kitchen on like we yeah. had discovered the kitchen and she mm -hmm. had to add on the tile that said kitchen because it had to do with like baking the ring into the cake or something <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah she needed the kitchen so yeah so that's that's betrayal i'm glad we played it yeah it's always a fun game would play again i mean i have it checked out right now so that i could try to play it this weekend mm -hmm. maybe that's sort of my other complaint about betrayal the new edition um one thing that I think with the popularity increasing in board games, the labeling has gotten good. So you can pick up a box and say, oh, this game is good for 10 and up. And this game is good for two to 10 players. And it'll take about an hour or it'll take three hours or whatever it is. And Betrayal, they re-edited the box. So that information is not on the box. Yeah. So we had to, to open like, it up. Yeah, it's in the manual, but you have to open the whole box and pull out the thing. And what did it say? It's for three to six players, and it's 60 to 90 minutes, an hour to an hour and a half. Right, and I remember that was the time And required. it's definitely a little spooky, so it's definitely not for little kids, but it's probably not, you know, if your kid likes spooky things, it's not super complicated to play. That's probably like 10 and up. I think so. I think... Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the, con like, not having kids myself, I don't know if the content is the bigger issue or the sort yeah. of learning. I will say, like, Mora had to control the quote-quote neighbors, which yeah. were, like, mini monsters. And they all had stats so that Kathleen and I could fight them. Mm -hmm. And so if it was, like, a kid, like, you'd have to write Ugh. down how many monsters you have and and if they've been fought and, like, how damaged they are. Mm-hmm. So that would be hard for like a kid to do. Yeah. Um, so I'd say this one's good for older kids. And then even if you've got like a really sharp like kid who you're like, oh yeah, they can handle like keeping track and you know moving around. I don't know if the content. I get it. You got. I guess you got to yeah. know your family. The content might be. I don't think it's spooky. I think it's very funny. Like like yeah. ooh the the there's a. I think in the other edition there might. It might be in this one, too, and we just didn't find it. There's, like, the pentagram room, and I'm like, ah, that's funny. Or, like, <laughs> the torture chamber. Um, but if your kid is like, that's spooky, I don't want to play. Right, you know? right. If that's going to keep me up likes, at night. like, horror stuff and ghosts and scary things, and that's fine. If you have a kid who's scared of all of those things, don't play with them. Don't play they don't, this. They're probably too young. Like, Horrified might be a better choice because yeah. it doesn't say, like, you're fighting Frankenstein, but it doesn't say, like, Frankenstein's coming for you and he's under right. your bed. Or, you know, <laughs> part of the joy of betrayal is the narration, the funny, yeah. spooky narration. The other game is like, oh, yeah, you fight, you fight Frankenstein, whatever. So I give it a, um, out of five <laughs> library cards, I give it a three and a half, maybe a four. I'd probably go with a full four library nice. cards yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've rated stuff before and i forget what wacky thing we use to rate I stuff know. i kind of like, like not that there's any reason to have five library cards but i like the idea of like, a scale of one to five cards five library cards nice so yeah. yeah i don't know i think we should play something else that like neither of us have played and talk about it yeah, on a future episode that'd be good Although yeah. it doesn't sound like there are a lot of games that neither of us has played. 
we've got 120 of them. There's got to be something. <laughs> My first board game. Catan <laughs> <laughs> Jr. I'm sure oh, there's yeah, yes, my first board game is even funnier. The one with the <laughs> the foam, the big foam die. Yeah. You I know got what red. That, <laughs> <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? Did you have that game growing up where you played it outside and it was a big foam die and it had like neon colors on it? Like there was like a pink like burst or neon green burst and you had, it was like a dodgeball game and you had, um, you had wristbands on, and you would, like, throw the thing up in the air, run away from it, it would land, and if it was pink, the person who was the pink player had to, like, run to it and yell, freeze, and then you had to, like, chuck it at your friends and steal their oh, wow. their wristbands. No, I didn't have All that right. game. I forget what it was called, like but fun, it was fun. Yeah. That sounds like a great outside, <laughs> like, lawn playground game. I don't know if they make it anymore. Anyway, yeah. my first board game is not aggressive like that <laughs> but the cube reminds me of the cube you'd throw up in the yep. air and yell at a color yeah well that was great christina thanks for coming by thanks for having me as always <laughs> i love talking about board games yeah well we'll see you again next month bye 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 all right this month's book review best of 2022 book review book is tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow by gabrielle zevin i have been a little uninspired by books lately um i find the characters boring sad lonely and these characters are broken sad lonely but i was immediately grabbed by their story um the the beginnings of their friendship or maybe lack of friendship and the way they grow together as they get older the long story of their friendship uh it's a good story you should read it the end we'll see you next month bye well that's the end of this episode of how did you find it at the gilderland library thank you for listening if you uh, like the show, please rate it and review it wherever you listen to this podcast. Also, tell a friend. You know, rating and reviewing in your, your podcast app helps friends you don't know find the show. You know, we want people to listen. <laughs> if you have ideas or suggestions or questions, please email us at podcast at gilderlandlibrary.org. Thank you for listening.